Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Welcome to the first episode of the Life as Leadership Podcast. I'm looking forward to this time each week where we can get together and learn from great leaders who are doing really neat things and changing people's lives around them. This week, our guest is Dr. Kathleen Patterson, who is an expert on servant leadership. Each week, I'll have a few others join me in the studio to listen to and discuss the interview. So joining me this week are my friends and fellow leaders, Anna Maria Dempsey, Elijah Friedman, and Thomas Tubby. Thanks for being here today, guys. Yeah, it's great to be here, Josh. So later this week, we're going to be discussing the interview we're about to listen to, and we'll highlight what we think are some key takeaways. Uh, Before we have the benefit of hearing from Dr. Patterson in just a moment, I wanted to throw out the question to you three. Uh, How would you explain servant leadership to someone? Servant leadership has always been one of those, those concepts I've heard about, but it seemed really abstract. So I don't know if I have a great definition, so I'm going to hedge my bets and give you two here. Uh, The first one is, I think servant leadership is prioritizing the needs of the people you're leading. Or maybe it's uh, letting humility define your interactions with people you're leading. Something in the realm of prioritizing people or leading with humility. Yeah, to jump off that, um, I have a similar concept of putting your followers' needs and well-being before your own um, and kind kind of being willing to lead uh, alongside of them instead of just from the top. I think they both put it really well. Um, another thing that I added in mind, uh, just using some scripture from Philippians 2, 3 through 4, I thought it gave, in my opinion, gave a really good definition of what servant leadership is. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, we're going to get to hear from Dr. Patterson in just a minute. But in the meantime, how confident do you feel in your answers at this point in time? I feel like my answer is about as good as my understanding of the concept, vague and abstract. There you go. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm kind of interested to see what she says. Um, I feel like I've read a lot of books of, about this, and so if, if I've got this wrong, I need to go back and reread some stuff. I hope I got it right. <laughs> we'll see. Dr. Kathleen Patterson serves as a professor at Regent University, and she is the director of their Doctor of Strategic Leadership program. She's a noted expert on servant leadership and has coordinated annual servant leadership roundtables in the United States, as well as three global roundtables in the Netherlands, Australia, and Iceland. She's been involved in a number of consulting projects nationally and abroad and sits on the board of directors for the Larry C. Spears Center for Servant Leadership, CareNet, and Millennials for Marriage. Here is Dr. Patterson. Patterson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the kind invitation to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about your work at Regent University and the Doctor of Strategic Leadership Program and how you even got involved in the study of leadership in the first place. 
I actually had a major life change um, really 20 years ago and ended up uh, coming from the business side of the world into higher education. I had always wanted to go back to school and the opportunity presented itself and I ended up here at Regent University as a student. And in my very first class, they're talking about servant leadership. And I was completely blown away, had no idea the terminology had uh, been coined or even existed. And I remember sitting in the class going, wow, there's a name for that? And um, really just being humbled uh, that there were people who really believed in leading and serving and taking good care of people. Um, but throughout my 20 years here, I've been a student, I've uh, been a recruiter, I was a graduate assistant, I've done, I think, every job here. And I am now a professor and a program director, and I've been the program director of our Doctorate of Strategic Leadership for four years now. And it is a privilege to work with students and uh, aspiring leaders and people who are already well into their leadership journeys uh, and followers as well, uh, learning and growing in who they are, uh, obviously becoming more Christ-like, uh, hopefully, and also more scholarly in that journey and learning about who they are as leaders and followers and even as Christians. So you mentioned that you started out in the business world. What was your experience with leadership there? Did you see servant leadership at play, even though you didn't necessarily have a name for it yet? What was your experience with, with leaders in that regard? <laughs> I find that really a funny question because I actually experienced the opposite. I experienced leaders who were damaging uh, to people, who created fear-based workplaces, who really did things wrong and knew they were not treating people well, knew they were not leading people well, but were looking out for themselves, uh, looking out for their own agendas, looking out for uh, the bottom line, uh, things that they really felt they probably had no control over other than wielding control over other people. So my experience was different. And I had uh, bosses and leaders and corporate um, really just not living out the servant-led journey. And yet I was seeing uh, some men and women in the company I was in existing in that environment and really leading well. Um, they were pockets of protection, if you want to call it that, where uh, people were really doing the right things in their little spaces where they were existing. I had 75 employees and I like to think that I was uh, leading with serving and I didn't even know what it was. And But it was really just treating people well, trying to be uh, a leader that was not like the leadership that we were experiencing from above us. And we, we operated independently, so that gave us a lot of freedom to have a great time and to love people and have a, a fun workplace. Uh, but anytime our leadership would come in, it, we were reminded why we were doing what we were doing and, and why we enjoyed one another. Um, but it was not part of the corporate uh, environment that we were actually living under. So you come to Regent University, begin studying leadership, find out about servant leadership. Tell us a little bit about what servant leadership is, because that's a term that's thrown around a lot by people. But could you give us an overview of, of what it is? Yes, thank you. Uh, I think this is really kind of a interesting part of servant leadership, especially if you take it into a Christian perspective. 
people think I am Christian, therefore I am servant. And it doesn't always work that way. But servant leadership is servant first. And of course, I'm coming from the Robert K. Greenleaf, Larry Spears. Um, if you're into the scholarly literature, I'm coming from uh, those particular perspectives. And it's really you as the leader being the servant and choosing to be the servant of uh, your followers, the servant of the people that you work around, the people that you work with, the people that you work for, and truly doing the best for other people. Um, you know, I, I love to talk about the, the Philippians uh, perspective. It's do nothing out of your uh, selfish ambition, uh, but in lowliness, uh, esteem others better than yourselves. And sometimes it really is putting that into practice, emptying yourself of yourself and putting other people first. And one of the most fascinating perspectives of servant leadership is you can be a servant to the people that work for you. You can be a servant to the people that you work uh, laterally with. You can be a servant to the one in leadership over you. Um, servant leadership is independent of your title. It's independent of your position. You can serve everywhere and anywhere you are. Um, I like to think that servant leadership begins in our homes. Who are we as mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters and cousins? And it becomes really complicated when we begin to unpack who we are. Are we servant first? And if it can begin in the home, if we become strong leaders, servant leaders in our homes, it makes us incredibly strong in our workplaces, in our leadership uh, positions, and the things that we're doing, uh, community-wise, organizations, ministries, whatever it may be. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on specifically is because you've not only studied servant leadership, but you've actually researched it and you've helped to develop the theory. Could you tell us a little bit about your own work on servant leadership? Um, sure. I remember as a doctoral student, my second year, I'm sitting in a doctoral residency and I'm praying Oh, so humbly, dear Lord, I will do anything for you for my dissertation, except servant leadership. <laughs> I was dead set against doing anything with servant leadership. And only because I thought I wanted to be hardcore scholarly. I wanted to be in those trenches of research. And, and what I found is it's servant leadership is scholarly it is the research it is those lovely things that scholars enjoy and have fun with every day um but for me it was a choice to uh follow really god's call into a, an area an arena that i did not want to particularly go in and the funny thing is is god usually takes us where we don't want to go and it's usually the best thing for us he has such wonderful plans if we would just surrender and submit to his will for our lives and I've had more fun than I probably should have had in my scholarly career, enjoyed people, enjoyed places, enjoyed the research. If we can really transform um, even just one person, but hopefully departments and teams and leaders and followers, organizations and ministries and businesses, governments, whatever it may be, if we can transform the mindset of instead of leading people to control them, leading people to get done what we want done, using people, if we can transform that mindset to serving people, loving people, walking in humility, treating people well, 
being kind and gracious and gentle, if we can really transform into those kinds of things, we've really changed society. And, and we might say, well, what, maybe it's just changing one person. I think that's worth it. If after my career, if I've impacted one person, is it worth it? Yeah, actually, I think it is. So let me ask you, uh, when you talk about being kind and gentle as a leader, those usually aren't things that come to people's minds when they think of strong leaders. What are some things that you've noticed that people get incorrect about servant leadership, things that people understand incorrectly about servant leaders? Yes, the false assumptions. And that is a huge uh, barrier to servant leadership because it is the perception of weakness. If we go into a, uh, a playground setting, say we'll just choose the third grade, and we line up the children and say, okay, stand over here if you want to be the leader or stand over here if you want to be the servant. It's just human nature. We fight against uh, serving and humbling ourselves towards one another. And, you know, we, we would rather be in charge and take charge and these kinds of things. Um, but there is the assumption that servanthood is weak. Um, it's permissive. People are going to take advantage of you. And I love to say that servant leadership is for the brave. It really takes you conquering yourself in so many ways to be able to serve other people, to have a journey that is humble, to be willing to do what's right for people. Servant leaders focus on their followers. It is their primary focus. Uh, and I love other leadership styles too. Transformational leaders focus on the organization first and then followers. Uh, transactional leaders focus on the transaction. I do this for you, you do this for me. And they're all valuable in, in some regards, but the highest level of leading other people is going to be when you take the form of a servant and you do what's best for followers and they are your primary focus. One of the fallacies that exists with servant leadership is if I focus on my followers, well then who's gonna take care of the organization? And what is absolutely fascinating, and we've seen this play out time and time again, is when you as a leader are focused on your followers and you're seeking their good, you're taking care of them, you're treating them well, you're doing the right things for them, they take care of the organization. They do a great job. When you're great to your people, they do great things. So for those who may not quite be convinced that servant leadership is all that. Could you give us some examples of great servant leaders, either from history or in our current day? Sure. And here's the uh, really kind of interesting aspect of that. Servant leaders are humble and they're not going to be shouting, hey, I'm a servant leader over here. Look at me. Look at me. Because they truly point success to their followers. They are not you know, trumpeting themselves in any way, uh, they appropriate success to their followers. And, you know, if we look back historically, there's, you know, a few examples uh, that are typically pointed out. Mother Teresa uh, being one who, you know, really chose a life of suffering for the, uh, the unwanted, the unlovable. And she took the hard road and really served a population that no one wanted to serve. 
and has become a great example of, of doing well for other people. I think William Wilberforce is probably a great example of someone historically who completely uh, took a tough road, a road that he did not have to take, uh, to serve people for the uh, abolition of the slave trade. And you have to kind of go back into that time frame where so many people were dependent upon the slave trade for uh, their wealth, for their uh, substance. And here you had someone really crying out, this is wrong, this is not right. And he really took a servant's road to be able to be a voice for the voiceless in so many ways. And he was uh, just a great example of someone who was willing to speak up for people who could not speak for themselves. And I think he's a great example of uh, a servant leader historically. I, I think sometimes if we look around us, if we would ask ourselves, who is a leader that has changed me? who has spoken into my life, who has done things for me, um, maybe even at the expense of themselves. And I think we all have examples, or hopefully we all have examples of someone who has really done that for us. I know I look over my career and I can see uh, different men and women who really had my best interest at heart. Uh, people who gave me opportunities that they could have very easily taken for themselves, who gave me an open door when they could have closed that door and they benefited from that, but they were looking out for my interest instead of their own interest. And those are the men and women who are making a difference in the world. And they also are perpetuating, hopefully, other people to be servants as well. We learn from the examples of the leaders that we are around. Uh, sometimes we learn the ways that we want to be, and sometimes we learn ways that we do not want to be. And hopefully we can learn from all of those things. But historically, I think William Wilberforce, Mother Teresa are just pretty, uh, two pretty great examples of people who served other people, even at their own peril. I love what you said from earlier in your answer, kind of drawing that out a little bit. If you want to find great servant leaders, sometimes what you need to do is look for great followers. And they're great followers because they have great servant leaders. Absolutely. So... Hopefully, some people are catching a vision for what it might look like for them as leaders to become better servant leaders. Based on your research, what would you suggest to the listeners who like what they're hearing and want some advice on how to become that better servant leader? I believe it begins with love. Um, I think there is absolutely no coincidence that Jesus deduced the entire Old Testament law into love God and love others. And if I'm totally in love with God, I am not going to be able to not love you as a follower. It is just going to be uh, the DNA uh, of the servant leader. And when we love someone, we are going to do right by them. We're going to do the right things for them. Um, I, I believe it also has prayer involved. As, as a leader, if I am praying for you, it changes our relationship. If I'm praying for you, I cannot seek your harm. I'm going to seek your good. Um, and here's a question that I'm asked a, a tremendous amount of the time. Can a servant leader fire people? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it is the right thing to do for that employee, for that follower to fire them. Um, but it's not the firing that can be right or wrong. It's how you do it. 
Um, I, and I've, I, and Josh, I say, you know, I've said this publicly so many times. I have fired people uh, wrongly and I have fired people rightly. I've done it well and I've done it poorly. But it's how we walk through the journey. And, you know, all of us are on a leadership journey and we get things right and we get things wrong. And hopefully we learn from our mistakes and we keep going and we keep becoming better and better. Um, but it's, it's really how you treat other people. Um, the very last time that I had to fire someone, and of course, this was many, many years ago, um, she walked into my office and she said, hey, I know I'm fired, but I'll still see you Friday night, right? And we had developed a, a, a friendship and she, I had walked with her day after day, time after time, so that she was well versed in knowing what was down the road, what was coming. And so uh, when the moment came where it was, I, I need to talk to you about let's go in, you going a different direction out of our company, it was very easy to do because I had earned the right to fire this, this woman. And it actually ended up being a great thing for her because she was stuck in an organization that she really didn't need to be in. She just didn't know how to get out. And, but for leaders, it's not always what we do. It's how we do it. And our motivations behind doing what we do. If you're firing someone because you don't want to deal with the situation, then that's on you. If you're firing someone because it's for their good, they need to move on to something they can be successful at, then our motivations are, are much better and hopefully uh, rooted in love. Do you have any practical tips more specifically on how to handle those difficult situations. Uh, you talked about earning the right. What would that look like, especially for leaders who maybe have a difficult conversation ahead of them in the near future? What would be some tips, some advice that you could give to them? Have that employee's best interest at heart, not your own interest. I truly think sometimes we get it wrong. We're looking out for ourselves. You know, the world tells us lies, if you want to call it that, or there's things that the world's logic just does not compute when we look at things from a biblical perspective. Uh, you know, we're, we're told to be the top dog, uh, you know, name it, claim it, get your place in society, climb that ladder. And, but truly, you know, Matthew 23, 11 tells us the greatest among you will be your servant. And if I am truly going to lead you, I, I need to serve you. And that's not going to be my agenda, my way, my objectives. It's going to be what is best for you. How am I helping you? How am I building you? Are you growing? Uh, Robert K. Greenleaf, who coined the terminology servant leadership, you know, he, he gave us, the, he says the best test is this. And, you know, uh, are our followers more autonomous, wiser? And I think sometimes we have to look at who we are as a leader who we think we are as a leader does not matter at all. What do our followers say? Who do they think we are as a leader? That's really the test. Are they growing? Are they developing? Are they becoming what they need to become? And at the end of the day, have we built better human beings? If we're building better human beings, then we're doing a really good job as a leader. You talked about handling difficult situations uh, as a servant leader. What are some, some ways that servant leadership has shaped your own approach to leadership? Well, it, it truly, truly raises the bar. I remember one time being in the car with one of my uh, sons. He was very young at the time. My sons are all grown men now. Um, and he said, Mom, 
servant and leader, they don't match. They just don't match. And I was like, you know, seemingly they don't. But let's look at it from a biblical perspective. They match completely. And, you know, it's it's a high calling when your three sons know that you are teaching and researching and promoting servant leadership because, you know, the spotlight's on. You know, uh, mom, was that the loving thing to do? Mom, was that the kind thing to do? I'll never forget one of my sons had been waiting and waiting and waiting for a couple of years for his turn to be the drummer at our church. And it was a long wait, and he was thrilled when he was named the drummer. And, of course, you know, as a mom, I'm super proud. Yes, my son's the drummer. And a few months And he's doing fantastic. Loved it. Great. He came home and he was so excited. And I think he was about 17 at the time. And he was like, Mom, I'm so excited. I'm going to be sharing the drumming role with this other person. And the mom in me was like, what? You waited. You worked so hard for that. This is your season, your time. How could you're sharing this? And he was like, Mom. I'm doing exactly what you said and what the Bible says. I'm looking out for the interest of others. And I was like, wow, that was so much more important than drumming or or having any role or anything. And I thought, wow, I was so proud of uh, my son in that moment because he was looking out for the interest of others. He was abandoning his own interest, his own role for the sake of someone else in the world. And, And truly, you know, those aren't easy things to do. Are we willing to abandon us and our own interest for the benefit of other people? It's not an easy journey. Servant leadership is for the brave. Dr. Patterson, thank you so much for sharing about servant leadership with us today. I like to end each interview with a few final questions that are meant to inspire us in our thinking and our actions as leaders. Are you ready? Ready, ready. All right. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? The men and women who were kind and gracious to me and opened doors when they didn't have to. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Loving, humble, and serving. What is a question that leaders should be asking either of themselves or others? Do I reflect Jesus Christ? What book would you recommend to leaders? One of my favorites is In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nowen. And I also have to uh, promote Hiding Place, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. If you could get every listener who has listened to this show today, who's listened to this podcast today, to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would it be? Pray. Pray for your followers. You invest in them in prayer, it will change everything. And finally, we have an arbitrary but insightful question here. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I am going to say uh, probably why not, because I think sometimes we're, we uh, tend to ask, why me? Why does this happen to me? But why not you? Why not me? So I'm going with why not today. Well, before we finish the interview, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I would ask, whose name are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? And let it not be our own names or our own kingdoms. Uh, let everything we do uh, reflect Christ. 
and especially the way that we lead other people. Are we reflecting his name and his ways? Well, Dr. Patterson, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate being here. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.